Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. Before we get stuck into this episode, we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby and more. Follow Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram and find out more about them at suncoastspinners.com.au. So welcome to the Take a Seat podcast, first episode. Today, we've got an absolutely wicked guest. Cameron, tell us all about him. Mate, we have the man. We have Dan McCoy. Professional motocross, professional supercross, injury, 2016, now turned downhill mountain biker. He's also done return to motocross and everything. The man is just an absolute legend, and we've been talking about him for quite some time now. So we've got Dan McCoy here. Dan, mate, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to hear you've been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. Yeah, we've spent a bit of time together, so... Yeah, we it was nice and easy to get you in and have a chat and your experiences and going through with the disability sport as well as your injury and pre-injury and stuff like that. So James and I thought we'd get you in. How about we start with your story as to yeah. uh, where you come from, going through the bike, growing up with your dad, like obviously yeah. all that sort of stuff and yes, then right. lead us into your injury itself. Long story short, I uh, started racing um, motorcycles, motocross at seven years old. So it was, uh, it was 1991. You, you, you're obviously uh, racing as a kid. You go all the way till you're 16 and you ride, you know, different size bikes all the way. It was something that my dad done. He raced in England Speedway. Uh, my cousin, he also raced. He, he raced road bikes, even, you know, world championships and stuff. So it was in the family, in the blood, I guess. And, um, yeah, we, you know, when I turned 16, I went road racing for a little bit. And then, um, yeah, came back to motocross and the things I learned from road racing, you know, came into motocross and, you know, good corner speed and all that sort of thing. So it was something that I, yeah, I really liked and enjoyed and got my first professional ride when I was uh, 18, which was 2003. And then from 2003, 2016, I raced professionally all around the world, mostly in Australia, but, you know, I raced Germany, America. America was um, Supercross, World Supercross Championship. What else did I do? Uh, New Zealand Championships, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's been a, it was a really good experience, a yeah, life experience, you know, traveling, doing something that you love, getting paid for it, uh, meeting people around the world. You know, I've got friends forever now in different places, so it's, it's really nice. And then, yeah, 2016, it was actually going to be uh, my, my sort of retiring year. I was going to race uh, supercross only. So you got supercross and motocross. Supercross is man-made tracks indoors, you know, big jumps or that sort of thing. And you got motocross, which is, you know, more natural terrain, faster tracks. I was um, just going to focus on supercross uh, in Australia and then lead into my coaching schools that I'd already sort of started for. I'd been doing them on and off for, for a number of years, but I really wanted to take a lot of focus into that for 16 and just focus on one series of racing. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that was the plan. I got an offer to, to race in England, 
uh, racing the arena cross championship, which I done 2014, so two years before, and ha- had really good success. You know, I nearly won the championship, got second in that. It was a UK series, which we raced in Scotland and Ireland. Uh, but a lot of guys around the world would come and it was basically two riders from each country that would come and, and race, which so, was, it wasn't really classed as like an international sort of thing. It was kind of just like, oh, we're, you know, these guys have got this arena cross series going and the time that it was ran, it was, um, everyone was kind of either not into their championship that they'd been racing. Like, so for example, I'd be in Australia racing my series, like it was all on the end of it, everything. So everyone would a couple of you know a couple of guys from each country would come in and um and race it. So the competition was really good, you know the money was was decent for you know nine weeks of racing. You could go there, make some money, and sort of have a holiday. So you know it worked really good. So I went back for sixteen, and um it wasn't on the on the brand of bike that I'd just come off, and it was a new bike, and things weren't really gelling straight away, but um. It's, it's kind of the same old story, but, you know, motorsport racing, it's like that. So anyway, we took a little bit to get used to it. I didn't get to ride the bike much before we raced. We raced the first round, didn't go well. It just, um, you know, ran into other riders and things like that. But then we went to the second round, which was in Scotland. That's when the accident happened. It was um, just a normal standard heat race. We took off. Pretty sure it was a second lap. The rider in front of me uh, going through the whoop section, which is the most technical part on a, on a bike track, uh, supercross track. It's, you know, they're all really close together and you've got to carry good speed and stay on top. And if a wheel drops in one, it'll send you over the handlebars. So, you know, it's a very technical, it's the most technical section on a racetrack. And, um, the guy in front, the lap before he went a bit sideways through the middle of them. And I was aware of that. And the next lap, cause I was right behind him. I thought, well, I'm going to go wide and then come in tight and run it up the left side which the, the whoop section is um, pretty much untouched in that area because everyone goes through the middle because we're coming off a 90 left corner. So I got up there on the, on the left side and it was smooth. Everything was going sweet. And then he went sideways and his bike shot across in front of me. And then it was from that point, it was like slow-mo. I knew that I was crashing. I seen his bike. I, you know, you're on top and you got good speed. So you can't, you can't get away from it. You can't just hit the brakes and hit the brakes. You go over the handlebars. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're committed. And we're right, right at the end of the whoop section, and um, I just see his front wheel come across, and it's it's like slow mo. Like I can still picture it so good right now. And uh, my front wheel hit the bottom of his fork, and I went over the handlebars. And uh, it's a crash that happens a lot. Like it's nothing out of the ordinary. It was just wrong place, wrong time. And then when I landed on the out on the flat, impact was like it was like I landed on like the first thing that I thought was one of the track guys fixing the track, like in the posse, did you leave like the spreader bar on the track? Like it was just like this, like I hit my back and just metal, you know, it was just the weirdest feeling. And um, then I tumbled and was like in so much pain from my back. And then I was trying to, I thought, oh, I've got to get up, got to get up. And I thought the bike was on my legs. And then I looked and my bike was in the corner and my legs were sort of facing up like the berm in the corner. And then I was like, you know, I just spun out. I was like, holy shit, I can't feel my legs, you know. So it happened instantly and the pain the pain was just like nothing else. So that kind of masked the whole scenario of, well, shit, what's just happened? This is a life-changing thing. It was like, oh, well, you know, what am I going to do about this pain, you know. So um, anyway, I was carted off and 
to hospital and I was in stuck in Scotland for, I think it was close to two weeks. Um, I was operated in Scotland. They waited three days to operate because I was waiting for some surgeons to come up, which I'm not real happy about that part, to be honest, because everybody that I saw us speak to around the world, they get operated on straight away. Yep. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's, yeah, it doesn't sit good with me, but um, it is what it is. Um, and then, yeah, so after the operation, uh, it was like the fourth day, you know, they sat me up, got me in a chair and pushed me around and then went straight into like some, some of their rehab stuff over there. And just before we continue, do you want to tell everyone what your actual break is, your yeah. diagnosis that was there? Yeah. It, it'll give a bit more insight as to why, you know, being unhappy with the operation that didn't happen straight away. Just give a bit more insight as to what your actual yeah. level break is. Sure. So it's T11, T12 is where my injury's at. T11 went under, dislocated, went under 12. It didn't cut my spinal cord. It it damaged it. Pretty sure it was stretched a bit, but it was, when they operated, it was leaking. I guess that's the positive part. It wasn't cut and, um, in half and I've still got some movement and stuff. And, and level of uh, feeling from that point type of thing? Yeah, I could feel just below belly button and then everything was a bit numb. So thinking back now, knowing what I know, I think a lot of swelling and a lot of shock kind of sat me for a bit and then I gained a lot more feeling, you know, up across the top of my thighs and my left leg I can feel to my knee. On the top side, back side I can't. Uh, right leg similar, sort of halfway. Yeah, so it's just patchy. It's patchy. Um, back, back side is like pretty switched off. Left quad works. I've just recently got my right hamstring to fire which you probably haven't seen that either. No, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's new. Yeah, so that's kind of a new thing. So, uh, yeah, stuck in, in the UK and Scotland there and, yeah, flew home. Then I was in rehab in Sydney for, I was in a hospital for four weeks and then transferred to a rehab for eight weeks, um, which we, you know, which was like prison. Being an athlete and then everything coming to a stop and then wanting to keep being really physical and so when you say an athlete it, it sounded like that you had a rather long career from 16 through to the accident yeah I'm imagining it was a rather successful and rather elite athlete status by the by the sounds of the story yeah it was like you know I was top three top five guy in Australia most years come close to a lot of championships racing in or in New Zealand you know obviously battling for championships there and then um America uh, my best finish was a 15th in, in one of the rounds. So, yeah, it's, you know, that's a world championship. So, yeah, it was it was decent. To look back, I'm pretty happy with what, what I've done and always wish it was a bit more too. <laughs> that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just the nature, in it, for anyone? Like, you're always trying to be better. But um, that's kind of the story and couldn't wait to get out of the hospital and rehab deals, you know, just so I could start working on my own stuff and figuring out, what my life's going to be about and, uh, you know, how things are going to going to work out for me in the future and, and, and if, if the body was going to recover more. That was the biggest thing. I know that obviously when you went over, you were with your partner, Amy. She was a massive support network even now. She goes everywhere with you. Uh, obviously, obviously the two kids go everywhere with you and that they have been since the injury. Leading into that race, obviously I know you pretty well and I've listened to quite a few things and, done some research and everything. But in that time, her being your support network, I know that you were her support network right before yeah. the injury. Uh, yeah. You want to 
give us a bit of insight as to how you are her insight, uh, support, and then how she's just turned into your absolute rock, I, I would say, between yeah. her and your family. Yeah, it's a hard, st- it's a really hard story for her of, of what happened, you know, with my injury and, um, you know, it was four days or five days before that, just got into the UK and then we found out that her dad had passed away and we'd just left him, Queensland, we'd just left his place to go there and um, he was a, you know, a really well-known motorcycle racer as well and yeah, it was, it was super tough. It was hard for myself because I was in the position I was in, I was stuck in the bed and just couldn't do anything, you know. And then Scotland had their rules at the hospitals where, you know, they had to be out. Uh, they weren't allowed in the hospital visitors until 10 a.m. and they had to be out by 3 or something, you know. And, you know, Amy's there by herself. Her sister was living over there at the time, so she actually travelled up for the race and um, and my dad was there as well, which was it's just weird how it all worked out, how some family was there, you know, on the other side of the world. It was just, it's, yeah, it's crazy the more I think about it. But, yeah, so... She was there for a little bit and then she was had to go back. She was living in England and so Amy was kind of coming and going to the hospital by herself, grieving, you know, over her dad. And so for me to be able to support her just, you know, pretty much wasn't possible. So it was really difficult. And, um, and then when we got back to Australia, then she had to go back to England because that's where her dad's from. So they flew him back and, um, you know, she had to deal with that on her own. You know, her sister went with her and, a lot of her family met her there and stuff. It's been a hell of a ride and she's the biggest support that I have and definitely uh, kept me out of some some dark places, I, w- I would think. You know, I've, I've never been that person to sort of fall into those sort of places, but it's, um, to be honest, I don't know how it would have been without it. Like, I don't know if how the mindset would be. Yeah, obviously that's what, that's what our story is, is we're trying to uh, talk to people about their support networks and how they get into sport again or how they return to that sporting network and, and what they're doing. So, you know, Amy being a big support for you and helping you go through obviously now into the rehab and the treatment and everything since then, but returning to the bike, obviously, as I said, know you pretty well and I've seen your Instagram. How many days after then being discharged were you back on the bike? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once I got out of all the hospital deals, got back to where we were living at the time and a mate of mine, like we we're actually living at his place and he was a sponsor, my main sponsor at the time because I had my own team and um, kept my bike and everything and yeah, threw me on it and I just cruised around the backyard. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of stupid really when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just putted around the backyard, but it was, you know, so fresh out of the hospital and um, yeah, it's just one of those things I think it's, um, yeah, just yeah, just done it. So when when we're talking about from going from just putting around the backyard, mm. and and to Cameron, we'll be able to put on a bit more information to this. But if I'm not correct, you're the first Australian to be granted a license to then compete. Yeah, yeah. Again so in, the, um, in the Australian motocross with a spinal yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. That's that's true. It's it's something. So motorcycling Australia is the governing body of it. They've never, ha- they've never, you know, had someone come forward and go, look, I want to ride motorcycling Australia approved tracks, like let alone race them. Racing wasn't actually something that I was worried about anyway. Like I was just, whatever, I just want to ride my bike. But a lot of the tracks around Australia, you need a motorcycling Australia license to ride. Yeah, we approached them and it kind of stumped them for a bit. 
It was kind of like too hard basket. Like that was the sort of attitude that we got at first. You know, we kept working around it and, you know, the main guy in there, he, he was happy to work with us and, and try and make it happen, which, you know, I'm appreciative of that for sure. And, yeah, so we um, poked about at that. And then I've got a condition, obviously, where there's a letter and, you know, if I go to a track, I've got to have someone that follows. Obviously, if I fall over, I can't pick myself back up. So it's hard to find someone that wants to ride behind me. <laughs> so, Is that because you're too quick? Or? Oh, I'm not that quick anymore, but I still keep a lot of people honest. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's fun. And then I actually done a race, you know, so got my license. I just wanted to ride a, a tracks, you know, approved tracks. And then through the process, it was like, shit, there's a race coming up. And it's called Day in the Dirt, which is um, a really fun event. Three motocross tracks joined together as one, and it becomes like a 10-minute, 12-minute lap or something. You know, it's a really big lap. Heaps of people do it. Uh, everyone lines up, you know, so there might be, geez, I think there was normally there's 40 guys on a gate on a race start, but, geez, there's probably 150 guys lined up. Wow. You know, wow, so I, ha- I had my dad there, and he pushed me up to the line. <laughs> And I was like thinking, holy shit, you know, if I um, make a mistake and fall over, I'm going to run over by everyone. So, especially um, with an injury, you'd yeah. like, that would have been in the back of your mind instantly just being on the track, let alone. Yeah, for sure. There's a million things going through my head, but, you know, I said to him, get me right up the front, I'm going to go for the whole shot here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, it's not real serious. It's, uh, I think it was hand on your head or hand on the front guard or something. But my bike's set up where it can be in gear already and doesn't need a clutch. It's got a um, recluse auto clutch. I was going to ask, yeah, so organisationally it took a bit, bit of paperwork and a bit of convincing to happen. But physically, oh, yeah. what did it take to get you ready to, to ride the bike again? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I, didn't re- I didn't specifically train to, I wasn't doing off-bike training to try and, you know, I, d- I just started riding and soon realised that shit, my back hurt. <laughs> what sort of mods even? Yeah, so the, yeah, so I ended up. Yeah, it was just a it was just a standard bike that I strapped myself to, and then um, now I've got like a go kart seat reinforced with mountain bike sh- air shocks underneath it. So because I'm sitting down all the time, it just takes that that initial sort of hit for the bigger jumps and stuff. Yeah, it was all pretty crazy how it all it, it all happened so quick, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, shit, I'm in a race here. And then I got through the turn, and it was a bit slippery the first couple of corners, and I was like, oh, and I was getting passed by some guys and. And then I just got swamped by everyone. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a really good weekend. Um, um, you know, I couldn't wait for the next year. And then COVID kicked in, so we haven't had it for a couple of years now. So, sorry, what was it called? Day in the Dirt? Yeah, Day in the Dirt, and, yeah. And where's that one hosted? It was at uh, QMP, so Queensland Motor Park, just to be involved and part of it. For a young kid or someone with an injury in that, to get that license. If we've got other people that want to get that license and they want to get involved in the sport, but they've got an injury or a disability in that. What type of loopholes in that and things did you have to poke and prod to get it? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it's something that I actually need to talk to Motorcycling Australia about. There was talk when I was dealing with one of the guys, because uh, I'm obviously a coach. That's what I do now. And coaching licenses all through Motorcycling Australia. So um, it is something that they said to me, hey, kind of opening a new door here. People, you know, people might get keen and want to want to license themselves. There was going to be a bit of a process. You know, you need to be able to do this, 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 and whatever. 
no one's been knocking on their door, I suppose. So, so you'll be you'll be building a brand new curriculum for yeah, motocross Australia, possibly, possibly, yeah. So I, I don't know. There, there is. I, I do know a couple of guys and a female from South Australia that's um, they're keen riders. So um, be interesting to see what happens there. Would you put your hand up to helping those people yeah, being able to yeah. get into that? Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Even bike setup. I know in America there's a couple of bike mods that is compulsory for some races that they do over there, and that's kind of where I've got the the design for my bike um, with the support frame and the protection frame, if that's what you want to call it. So is it almost like a, a- Micro roll cage, yeah, pretty much, just yeah. around around your lower limbs, yeah, yeah, from the from the feet on the, the base of the yeah, bike so all the way up to your lap, yep, all the way up to my lap, and then from behind, I've now just which is the compulsory part in the states, um, I believe, um, when they race X Games snow bikes and stuff, um, behind them they've got like a, it looks like a big sissy bar um, that sits pretty much level with the top of your helmet. If you were to go over the handlebars, obviously you can't get away from the bike, so you could tuck, and then that would hit the ground first, yeah. which I've just put that on my bike um, purely for safety, you know, something to take the impact if something went wrong. But um, it's, um, I think something like that would be really important um, to have for people that were keen to get into it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, we've got, I got everything's on hand controls, rear brake, clutch, uh, obviously your front brakes there, um, gearboxes, um, electronic with your thumb. So. Um, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot to to set up to make it work, that's for sure. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergant, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. For a parent of a kid that's obviously one of the things is most parents don't want kids riding motorbikes. They think it's dangerous and scary. But then also throwing on top of that an injury or a disability or something, chances of parents wanting people to ride a bike, what would you say to that? Like going around, okay, yeah, no, like I'm safe. How many falls and that you've had since and that type of thing? Yeah, that's that's interesting. First thing I'd say is nothing safe. <laughs> would, would you <laughs> would you encourage them to? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, at the end of the day with the kids side of it. Obviously, being a coach, and I see it a lot. Number one is obviously making sure the kid wants to do it. Nothing annoys me more than having coaching kids that don't really want to be there. Of course. Yeah. So I think if the kid was passionate enough. There's always a way. There's always a way. That's the simple answer. Like there's always there's a, a way. There's a way. Yeah, for sure. To do what I'm doing on a bike and other guys in my position, like how we can ride bikes. I know that's our background and we were professional professionals at that at some point. It's it's possible, you know, it, it really is. There's a guy I know that has one arm that rides, you know, and everything's on the right side. There's guys in America with one leg. There's, there's all sorts of stuff going on out there. So answer to your question, yeah, 100%. If they're passionate, they're keen, figure it out. <laughs> Just yeah. work it out. Make it happen. Sure. I kind of want to make a really, really weird segue 
on my way here, actually. Um, oh, you're not going to do it to him, are you? Wow. Surely not. Mate, so what we've, what we've done is, on the way, stopped into Woolies. Cam and I had this idea. You think you're a magician on the field, so you've got to bring in these cards. Mate, Come on. Mate, um, you know me and my poker, all right? We're going we're gonna to poke the bear with this. <laughs> <laughs> He's in trouble. So, Surely. Come on. It, it, you can't do this to him. Mate, I, I apologise, but um, five minutes before you rocked up, uh, I'm sitting on the back of my tray, and uh, we've, we've got these questions online that are just too... Too taboo for us. I'm surprised you, they're so hot in your hand you haven't dropped them already. Come on. Right, I'm, I'm doing some hot shuffles. So I'm yeah. going to, Dan, what's going to happen here is I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shuffle these cards around so they, they've got a question written on, on the other side. All right, so I'm going I'm to fan out the deck here. Oh, yeah, look at him. He's a professional at this one. And uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you to pick out three cards for me. Don't take that one, no. You'll know. Don't. Oh, it's one. oh, there's a queen. Look out. It's two. He's got a 10. And oh, don't take, oh, oh. These are stiff questions. <laughs> we, sorry. <laughs> we, did, we did say that they were going to be pretty hard. You read them, I'll answer them. I'll so, read so them, you answer them. What worries you the most at the moment? Uh, probably since having children, I want to make sure that I'm healthy and basically I, I last long enough, you know, and be around long enough to uh, guide them and, and get them set up in life. It's not something that I've ever, you know, racing, the, doing the sport that I've done. A lot of my friends have passed away from riding bikes and that sort of thing, but it's not until now I've got my own kids and it's like, damn, you know, I, need, I really need to be around. So that, it pops up. It's, it's not something I worry about. I, I don't really sleep about it, <laughs> but it's, um, it's definitely something that, that pops up here and there. But um, you know, my life's about thinking about them all the time. It worries me that, something happened to me and I wasn't here, I wouldn't get to see them. So you, so you have children now? So how, yeah. how old are they? Uh, I've got a, my son is um, four and my daughter is 20 months. So they've grown up seeing you in, yeah. in the chair yep. the, whole, yep. the whole time. Yep. Living with, with children yep. and being in the chair the whole time, is it, is it what you thought being a father was going to be like? Have you sort of changed your perception of what it's going to be based on the chair? No, definitely not. I definitely haven't changed you know my mindset or anything like that nothing's changed you know on how I how I would be as a father or whatever it's uh you know I've always, I've, I just I am who I am and that, that doesn't change who I am to be honest I don't even like to call it a disability I'd, I'd done something that I loved for so long I was unlucky you know maybe unlucky I don't even know if that's the right word I was just the wrong place wrong time whatever you, however you want to say it it was an accident and I've got an injury. I'm not, not satisfied, you know, accepting that I'm in a chair. It's just that's why I go about things the way I go about things. I try to just keep going forward. That's an incredibly resilient mindset. You say, you say you're not comfortable just being in the chair and that sort of stuff. Like, mm. well, well, and, that, and that's just a personal thing. That's like that's my mind. It's not, I, I, don't, you know, I don't care what anybody else thinks or anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's, um, well, we're thankful for chairs. If you didn't have a wheelchair, you'd be stuffed. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's not, yeah, that's just my mind uh, wanting to go forward and, and recover from, from this injury, you know. Yeah. And obviously, I've seen you with your son. Your daughter's still a little bit young, but the relationship you have with your son is unbelievable. He's on his little bike and he's been like that, throwing himself onto the... Our mattress and head over heels and he's already into BMX riding and you've, yeah. you're done downhill bike riding all over the world and stuff now. Uh, we'll come back to that later, but 
you know, is the the way that you you're raising your son and with no fear of mm. him actually doing that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's a confidence thing. Amy and myself are on the same page, which I'm grateful for that. We um we're about uh, experiences and confidence, you know, giving them confidence and guess that's where you kind of see like the no fear sort of thing coming. <laughs> Just trying to guide them the best we can and um it's a great feeling to watch them grow and and be confident. Confident is parents play a big role in how children end up being as adults. You know, every parent does their best. That, that that's that's the end of the story there really. Like you, you're always going to try your best, but being more aware of it, which I have been of the recent years, not pushing but lean into giving them the confidence in you can do this, you can do that, nothing's impossible and you see the the benefits real quick. It's um gets real cheeky real quick, but that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so from there, how do you want your kids to grow up and perceive yourself and others? Obviously it's it's gonna be a bit different for them growing up with dad with a disability and an injury, as you yeah. describe it. Everyone's working towards that equality and how would you like them to see you just as dad, seeing everyone as equal and that sort of thing? What? Yeah, for sure. It's, my kids are so caring, like, for how young they are and how aware they are, of, you know, that, I, that I'm a bit different, you know, I'm in a chair, whatever. Um, the, the caring side just really, it's really coming out at a young age. Like, even my daughter, like, oh, push or push, you know, and she tries to push me in my wheelchair. And I guess you only know what you know. So that's, that, that's all they're going to know me in a chair. Well, that's not the, the plan <laughs> for long term. But, yeah, hopefully they'll get to, I, I believe they'll get some good um, life lessons about dad being in a chair and the respect they'll, they'll have for other people with disabilities. Uh, I spoke about the mountain biking and stuff before. Obviously, you've now gone into downhill mountain biking, but also before going into now the motocross Australia license and that. You tried a few other sports as well. Want to give us a bit of a rundown on that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've tried most. You know, basketball, wheelchair, ice hockey. I just played tennis the other day, which I actually really liked that. It was good. I hand cycle. I do that to keep fit more than anything, but I've been doing some triathlons with that. And that's uh, able triathlons. It's not uh, special classifications no, no, or anything. It's, yeah, it's just a team race, so it's um it's against able bodies. Yeah, well, I I do the bike, and then I have a runner and a swimmer. Yeah, because um obviously if you if you're a runner, you need a chair for that. Everything you need a special chair for. <laughs> so it's um it gets a bit painful, but um yeah. What else have I tried? Downhill mountain biking. Obviously that. That's kind of a new thing that it's very similar to motocross, so it makes sense that I really like that. So, so being a in, in heavily involved motocross, an individual sport, is being what it is. Did you did you find yourself skewing away from other team based sports because of your experience as an individual athlete, or were there other other considerations, other things that just, you just didn't enjoy? Yeah, team sports has always been a bit trickier, I suppose. When I was young, before I raced motorbikes, when I was a kid, played soccer and to blow wind in my own tyres or anything, but I was I was a bit better than everybody else, and, and that's why I quit because I would run the ball down and then kick it in, and it would always be pass it to Daniel, pass it, in, you know. So me and Dad talk about that every now and then, you know. So and then I was riding the peewee, and then it was kind of like, well, do you want to do soccer? And I was like, no, I don't want to do soccer. It's you know because I was 
playing for the whole team. <laughs> so it's um you can't share the trophy. You know, that so it kind of, so that's when I went to the bikes, and then that kind of worked out. But then doing the basketball wheelchair and stuff like that, I, I really enjoyed it. Like um, I, I am open to whatever. Like it's it's no problem. I say that, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We were talking like because I I would like to be part. I would like to do something. I'd like to find a, a passion. Disability sport is what it's called. So I'd, I'd like to find something. Well, it's just a sport, right? Yeah. yeah. It comes down to the, the reason that um, that anyone is involved in in sport and, and it's the main thing that's built behind PLC, F45, all those major things now is is finding a sense of belonging and offering yeah. a course and, and something that's, that's open for everyone's own opinions, perceptions, their own their own goals and, and they all sort of fit this, this similar niche and they're all there for the same reason because mm. they feel like they belong there. It's sort of why sort of, I guess, I'm, 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 well, that's my involvement in, in wheelchair basketball and, and wheelchair rugby and, and I'm sure Cam says, shares a similar reasoning for being involved is the sharing that driving that, that awareness that it is something for everyone and anyone and, and everyone can be involved in it. If you're cruising around on, on, on your bike, don't be afraid to say, oh, is that Dan McCoy or is it, you know, sure enough, do you, do you, you welcome people to come up and say g'day and, and ask you about the chair oh, or, yeah. or the, yeah, the, sorry, yeah. the chair that the fit yeah. out on the bike? Yeah, happy to talk to anybody about it. I speak to people all around the world all the time about things that I'm doing and if it's an adaptive bike or, or whatever, even just, um, you know, the leg braces that I wear, I've referred a few people. Has there been any difference in, in finishing a race uh, pre-injury to finishing a race post-injury, the amount of people that come up to you and have a chat to you? I imagine if winning yeah. coming first or second or third, you might get a few. I'm not quite sure what the motocross scene is like, but I've heard from, from previous stories and YouTube videos that you've been, you had a few, few girls around you and, and whatnot <laughs> in, the, in the earlier days and whatnot, but has, has that sort of, obviously that changed with, with, the, with the missus and the kids, but in a sense of uh, that community and, and that coming back to that sense of belonging, has that sort of changed in the, in the motocross community? For, for myself? Yeah, it is. People are blown away with the setup. Blown away as in, as in physically don't want to come say hey or no, like, like, holy crap, that's, that's wild. Yeah, like they're surprised on how yeah. capable the bike is out on the track. So it's a cool thing. It's it's really good. Yeah. People come and, and want to know about the bike, yeah. We've done some TV stuff with it actually at that race, yeah. So, but yeah, they went over the whole bike and I explained what it was all about. So, nice. Yeah, it's, you, it's have to, you have to flick us at uh, a link yeah. or, or, or something to it. Yeah. That segues really nicely back into question two. What misconception makes you want to scream, that's not me? I think you just kind of answered that as to the difference between pre and post injury and stuff, is there anything that is a misconception of you saying, that's not me? That's a really tough question. It is, isn't it? I wrote that down and I said, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. I, I just, yeah, what you see is what you get. He's <laughs> kind of it for me. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think uh, for, for me, being in, involved in, in the wheelchair community and the wheelchair sporting community in, in a sense. I've had other, other mates of mine who, who are a daily wheelchair user and, and they've been out at bars and they've shared stories, you know, where they've been at the bar ordering drinks and whatnot and someone's come up to them right in their face and screamed out like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, right. Or just these absurd comments. Yeah. And he's then, this guy's a bit of a character, but he'll, he'll then throw on a bit of a face or something rather and, yeah. and, and then be... And, yell back at their face, I'm fine, like I'm effing fine, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not this, I'm not that. And that's sort of his, his way of, of dealing with it. But he, he sort of blows it off a bit and then gets back in their face. And for me, it's, it's, 
acknowledging that that just because there's a chair, for example, some people use chairs just for extended distances, like for, to assist in mobility. They might be able to walk for 50 meters or they might be able to walk around the home, but for them to be able to walk down the street to the shopping center to then bring everything back or, or whatever the scenario is, it it may be to the point where they get there and they're in an excruciating pain because of their disability. It's a mobility aid is how I see it. It's yeah. just another piece of, of, of equipment that's, you know, I wear shoes. Dan's actually got a really interesting story and I'm going to throw him under the bus here. I only know the story because we've been close for quite some time now. Uh, tell the story about you and your mates going to the Broncos and he borrowed your second chair. Oh, <laughs> That's a good story, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was State of Origin, I think. Yeah, so... <laughs> so we went went and watched the footy and um, when we went there, obviously the seating, right? So I can't remember how it works. So you got to uh, book them in advance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was... That's right. It was sold out, but there was disability seating, right? So... I went in my chair, then there was a seat next to it for a partner, carer, whatever you want to call it. So, um, and they were the only tickets left. So we got the four tickets, but obviously someone had to be in a chair as well. So I had my chair. So and, four, um, four tickets being two, two <laughs> accessible seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the two being the, the companion yeah, carer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people might not like this story. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, yeah, we rang him up and he said, hey, We've got tickets, we've got good seats, but you've got to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'll do, I'll do. I knew that he would do it. We drive down and I've got the wheelchairs in the back and then um, we pull the chair out and, he, you know, we went, we went in. He was like a pro. He just <laughs> steering the chair perfect, talking to everyone. Anyway, then we're sitting in these seats having a giggle, whatever. <laughs> and um, we went up and got some drinks. And then as we were coming back, this guy's come walking up and he's like, boys, good to see you are out, you know, we're, I'm buying the drinks, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah cool, yeah, whatever. So we roll around and this guy just kept coming back with drinks, you know, obviously feeling sorry for us or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, that's all good, it's all good. And my mate's like, no, nah, no, nah, keep bringing them. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's into it. He's like, oh, I've got to go to the toilet. So he, I said, yeah, you make sure you use disabled toilet. Yeah. So he wheels around. I follow him. And he, he opens the door, goes in. I follow him in and he like stands up. Oh, it's good to stretch the legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, oh, I was in stitches all night. <laughs> then it gets better. So we watched the game. It was all good. He's blind trunk. We um, get, leaving, the, leaving the joint, you know, everyone's crowds everywhere. He's wheeling up to people, hey, can I get a smoke? And he's having a smoke. And um, we get going and then we're cutting through some car parks and he, um, and he's pushing along and obviously he's got no experience in a chair. I go over the speed hump, he clips the speed hump, <laughs> falls out the front and everyone goes, wow, you know, everyone that was around. And he gets up, runs, grabs the chair and jumps back <laughs> in it. And, um, so I've nearly fallen out my chair laughing. The girls were just cracking up. It happened twice. He like he got caught on a curb and fell out twice and whatever. And um, yeah, but he just picks up the chair and was running. And oh, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's probably not the right thing to do. But the reason uh, the reason I ask like, <laughs> and bring that story up is how to feel having a mate go oh, through yeah. that experience and hang out with you and have. Well, yeah, you said it's probably not the right way to go about it and stuff. <laughs> but having a friend actually 
do that with you and experience the whole night with you. It, it was it was fun. It was funny for me to sit back and watch somebody else in a chair that never spent a, a minute in one and and how they coped. But he took it took it on board. You know, it's like fun, <laughs> that's right? a great story. Yeah, yeah. And that's our message as to people getting in a chair and experiencing the sport and being around with people in it and that sort of stuff. Like, what do you say to people that have never been in one and what they should do or should they get in a chair and experience it? Or Yeah, well, it's it's like when I was doing the basketball wheelchair, like, you know, yourself, you were in, in one. There's nothing wrong with your legs, you know. No, that, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and, you know, I wanted to bring some friends down to do it. It's cool. It's good. Yeah, I, I strongly recommend you and encourage you to, to, to be, come on back down because yeah. for those that don't know, a bit of context, Dan did come down at some stage in previous years, mm-hmm. didn't quite enjoy it. But that's sort of the message that we've we've really been pushing the last, I think it was probably the time that you you left is when our reverse inclusion program started at Sunco Spinners. Yeah, right. And the idea is 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 in a sense that your entire story with your, with your friend sharing similar experiences, yeah. you know, and that's, what's going to create that sense of belonging. You share those similar experiences, whether it be going to the pub together, being in the chair, you know, whether it be going, going to the footy together, playing the same sport. And, and you, you, you would know it all too well. If, if we were to invite you to, to, to join in on, on cricket or whatever it is, and we adjust it so that, okay, maybe Cameron would push you out on, on the field. That's not the same experience. Mm. No way, no way in the yeah. world. But if we all jump in the same, in, in a sports chair and we're yeah. all in sports chairs together on a basketball court, and we've all there together, gu- guaranteed we're not getting the same very exact experience, but we're getting a very very similar experience as yeah. to playing and being involved in the same sport. Yeah, for sure. No, it's really good. One of the first times I went, and then I seen every, at the at the end, everyone's get, standing up, walking away from the chair. I'm like, whoa, yeah. what's going on here? There's nothing wrong with these guys. You know, it's cheating. <laughs> that, that's what it was like. No, it's so good. Like, it's, yeah, it's unreal. The next time you returned, did you feel more competitive going, hey, that dude, he, he got up more play last time. I'm like, I'm going to smash him. I'm going to smash him this time. Harder, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's cool. It's so good. Yeah, I'd, I had planned to bring some people down, yeah, for sure. Bring me down first two weeks free, mate. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Before you head off, is there a message that you want to relay out to everyone about Anything in particular? Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. Disability is what it is. Yeah, it's not, it's not going away for anyone. So it's just about getting out there, making the most of what you got and, yeah, not letting anything hold you back. It's so easy to, I, I guess you get put in this position and it's easy to just give up, if that's the word, give up, or it's easy to stay on the lounge. It's not what it's about. Yeah, there's, there's always a di- another way to make it happen, always. And, and you, you just got to learn to adapt. The more you can adapt to different things in lo- that, you know, when life throws it at you, it's, you're going to live a better life. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, I question myself sometimes. It's like, oh, how am I going to get down them stairs onto the beach? And then I've got to crawl the, to the water. But, it's, um, but I, I don't let that stop me. I've been doing that the last couple of weeks, actually. It's just... People are willing to help if you need help, which is something that I still struggle with a little bit. You want to feel independent and do your own thing. You always appreciate people offering to help, but um, there's always a way. Incredible stuff. Huh? How would uh, people get involved in your coaching? Well, at the, yeah, at the moment I'm doing a bunch of it up here on the sunny coast, Monday afternoons at Cool and Motocross Track, and 
uh, you know, I've got, I've got a set program now with some kids that I'm really um, putting effort into develop them into good riders. There's, I've got six, six kids. Yeah, I see four every week consistently and, um, yeah, I'm on, you know, social media. It's, it's all... All there, but um, please, please feel free to send that, and we'll we'll whack it on our um, yeah, social cool. medias as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, any levels too, you know, beginner, pro, whatever, um, cater for it all. On on that, I think I think that brings us on a conclusion to the to the first episode. I think uh, your your story, Dan, of of such a resilient mindset uh, post accident and still striving to to be better every day and get back what you can in that mindset of resilience, pushing every day to be better. I think it's incredible. And and your your drive for the kids is is super empowering and, and how you describe to, you know, as every parent does try to be the best that they can be, I think a lot of people will, will pull what they can from that and help them through any struggles that, that they're going through. Yeah, cool. No, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at suncospinners.com.au. 